Table Fries is a new podcast hosted by Gene Hopkins, Chief Marketing Officer at Lola.com. Gene has built and led marketing teams, authored top-selling marketing materials, and served on advisory boards all around Greater Boston. With Table Fries, Gene sets out to interview every woman working at Lola.com. Gene will talk about motivation, what makes a good day, and we'll connect the dots between guests in a special way. At Table Fries, there's always room to share. So grab small plates and don't forget the dipping sauce. To find all the new and previous episodes of Table Fries, check out your favorite podcast platforms or visit us at lola.com slash table fries. And don't forget, Gene is building Boston's next great B2B marketing team at lola.com. So be sure to stay updated on new roles at the lola.com careers page. Table Fries, where sharing is caring. Hey, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today at Table Fries. It's really exciting to have you. Yeah, so glad to be here. It's uh, awesome. It's going to be so much fun. So as you know, Table Fries is for the women of Lola.com. I'm trying to interview every single woman here as part of Table Fries because we like to share. Yeah, love fries. So, yeah, garlic, yeah. garlic parmesan. Garlic parmesan, okay. In particular. That, that yeah. is pretty good. I, I, um, I remember, in, and I'm having a hard time remembering it in California, the, the boardwalk in outside of Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. And we were living there in California, the 100th anniversary of the Santa Cruz boardwalk. Oh, cool. And they had the best garlic fries. Oh, nice. Because they make garlic, uh, grow garlic in Gilroy. Gilroy. Oh, Gilroy yeah. Gilroy is the garlic festival of the world. And they chop it up, and it was just fantastic. You yeah. can never get those. Yeah. When you're driving through Gilroy, yeah. you smell the garlic. In July and August. I remember working with a guy because I worked in San Jose and there was a guy that was allergic to garlic. And so he couldn't go outside. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? And they had the garlic festival in July. They have garlic ice cream, garlic yeah. wine, garlic, everything, everything garlic. Yeah. Totally crazy. Because you're from California, so you know the drill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just thinking about the Santa Cruz boardwalk because the Giant Dipper is the all wooden roller coaster. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. the oldest wooden mm -hmm. roller coaster in the United States, I think. Yeah. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. Yeah, ter I have a picture of myself. They, you know, they take pictures, and I have a yeah. picture that they took, and I'm like screaming my brains oh, yeah. out. Oh, yeah. My daughter's like, wee! And I'm like, ah! Right. So, anyway, why don't you tell me the story about how you decided to join Lola? You joined a few years ago. So how did that happen? I think relationships make the world go round. So when I was looking, it was pre-Lola pre when it was still an incubator. Like right before we had launched Lola, I'd gone to this mysterious website that basically, <laughs> it was all black, right? This is like very much in line with an aesthetic that Paul would go for. Uh -huh. Our CTO, Paul. So I went on the website and I said, building the next best travel company. And I think everyone has a travel experience that they can relate to. So I said, oh, I love travel. This is exciting. I want to go to a tech startup. I had previously been in the army and just really wanted to have the opposite experience <laughs> of the army. So I said, what better than a tech startup? So um, how did you find that website? I mean, what were you trolling? Or I, you what was going on there? Yeah, I think... I think, you know, just these rabbit holes that you can go mm -hmm. into. I mm -hmm. think I started like Boston startups and then somehow one, one site led me to this. Mm -hmm. And then I looked up on LinkedIn and I said, okay, it just said Blade was the name of the incubator. And I looked up Blade on LinkedIn and I saw that I was connected to Ellen Chisa, the first VP of product at Lola through a West Point connection where I went to school. So I said, oh, let me just reach out to Ellen and say, hey, I know some, oh. I know that Ryan Chang, who you went to HPS with, can you meet for coffee? Because I'm interested in product management and I'm interested in this next best travel company. So I met Ellen for coffee. She said, 
hey, Rachel, it's so great to meet you. We've just started this company. There are no product management roles, but we have travel agent roles open. Are you interested in applying for that? If so, like I'd be happy to send your resume along to Stacy, who is hiring for this team. And kind of what was going through my mind was, okay, I'm getting out of the military. I could go into an operations role, but I really want to go into a tech startup. And I love this idea of like working your way up from the bottom. I really value that in people because I think you get to see all levels of the business and you get to kind of come in and just show that you can work through it and work really hard. So it's not beneath you never, to be able to right. start in that kind of a role. And when you see one of the things I like to look at when I hire people, do they have summer jobs? Yeah, they have oh, summer sure. jobs, you know, and the people that have summer jobs, any kind of a summer job, they, they're, they're not just lazing around, they're yeah. looking for the experience. So right. that's a good marker of people that are willing to do whatever it takes to be part of something big. Totally. And like, I think, especially coming from the military, there was always this idea of like, you do, you would never ask someone to do something that you wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. And I think customer support, this travel agent position was on the front lines, if mm -hmm. you will. And I said like, what better place to be than like understanding that connection to the customer and what is painful to them, what they're delighted by. So I ended up applying. Stacy and the rest of the team took a chance on me, even though I had no background in being <laughs> a travel agent. And so really I think what brought me was one, the exciting opportunity of being part of a travel tech startup, but then really what it what was at its core was all the people I interviewed with. I just, in my gut, had this sense like these are good mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. and it'd be really fun to work on this, building this next best travel company with these people. So took the chance and came over and I mean, I guess three and a half years later, Very here well. I am. Yeah. Yeah. And a leading product. Yeah. Right. And exactly. So, and you take that experience that you had on the front lines because we morphed from a B to C to a B to B orientation, but you're always asking such great questions at the executive level and at the product marketing level. And we just did a voice of the customer. You're always looking for feedback to be able to help make the product better yep. for our customers. Totally. And we were just talking to Chrissy today as well. And she was saying that the product has evolved so much in the past six months mm. that it's constantly moving. And how do we look at the alignment between product and sales and marketing? Yeah. And I feel that our organizationally, that we, we are moving very quickly, but we're able to stay keeping pace with you, which yeah. is you and your team are moving so fast yeah. that we want to make sure that we're capturing absolutely everything. And, yeah. and it's exciting. Yes, yeah, totally exciting. Very exciting times. Yeah. Every day. I mean, I'm totally proud of what the team has accomplished to this date. I think it's, you almost forget, like you have amnesia mm -hmm. of where the product was six months ago mm -hmm. because I'm constantly looking to the future, but it's nice to kind of stop and pause and recognize all the hard work that the team has done to get us to this point now, but then at the same time, constantly looking to improve it beyond that. So just saying, let's mm. keep going, like let's keep doing the hard work to make this product even better for our customers. So in the Slack channel, ship it. It's so exciting to be able to see like the small things that customers have asked for that we're able to deliver very quickly. Yeah. And it's so exciting. I know. It, I know. I know. And I'm sure you hear it and see it every single day. That yeah. You're like, go, go, go. Oh yeah. I love moving fast. Yes. It's, it's a lot of fun to be in a startup. So is there a single word that you might say that describes you? It's technically a hyphenated word, but I would say hardworking. Hardworking. That's, that's something. How would you define that? What does that mean to you? I think it's always doing the right thing over the easy thing mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. To me, that's how I think about it. There's opportunities to cut corners, but what I found is that just being disciplined and being hardworking, like not cutting those corners and doing the right thing over the easy thing is really how I would describe being hardworking. Also, it's not, 
I think you have to be careful to, because you could work yourself into the ground. You could spend all your time at Lola. Uh -huh. You could work before you get here, you could work after you get here, and it's not because it's expected, it's just because if you wanna do, if you have certain standards for yourself, then you wanna achieve those things. But really what I look to do is to say, am I delivering, like am I, is my work delivering the biggest impact to my team and to uh -huh. our customers? And then when I'm doing that work, just making sure I'm not cutting corners, like doing it all the way through, like being very disciplined, being very intentional with what I'm trying to do and delivering uh -huh. it to the highest quality that I can. Uh -huh. um, you work very hard at doing that. I mean, I, I didn't mean to use that work and you do work um, making sure that people understand what you're trying to, and, and if you don't understand something, you don't simply nod your head, yeah. you ask for clarification yeah. just to make sure that you clearly understand that. And that's a difficult thing to do for many people. Mm -hmm. Many people just simply nod their head and say, yep, and then they go off and they didn't really understand, like I could use words that, I'd be speaking Chinese to you and you're hearing French, right? And right. So you're, you do a very good job of just trying to make sure that, is this what you're saying? Is this what I'm hearing? Is this what you want? Yeah. And, and that's, that's hard for people to do. Yeah, the military. It is ingrained it, is? it in me. Really? Yeah, we have this concept. I mean, coming from the military, there's this concept of a back brief. So when somebody gives you a brief, then you brief it back to them just mm. to make sure. Because you can imagine if if mm. we were misaligned or if there was a miscommunication between us and we're in combat, then that's catastrophic. Oh. So it's almost second nature to me in a lot of ways to just say, okay, don't. If I don't understand something, ask for clarification because it's my responsibility to do that as a leader in this company is to ask for clarification to make sure we're all moving in the same direction. How can we teach people to do that? Because I think, as you pointed out, it's a leadership. Yeah. And, and I sometimes say to team members on my team, if I ask you to do something and I'm not being clear, that's on me. Totally. But it's also on you totally. for not saying, I have no idea what you mean. Yeah. And, and asking for clarification. Just because I said it doesn't mean that it's valid. And I'm not communicating effectively, but it's also on you not to simply nod your head. Yeah. If you don't get it, 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 and it's the same way, it's very hard for people to say, I don't understand what that acronym is. Right. I don't understand what that means. Right. In order for me to fully comprehend where you're coming from, I need I need more context. Yeah. How can we teach people that? I think there's a couple of different tactics. I think one is when you, as a manager, or when you're essentially, I think, in a management position, in an authoritative position, when you brief someone on something, you say, hey, re mm. repeat back to me what you just what I just said, like uh -huh. to make sure we're on the same page, to make sure we're aligned. Uh -huh. That's a very easy one. Like we would say in the military, like back brief me. So I think that's one. I think also just as leaders, like we need to constantly be making sure our team understands it. So uh -huh. asking, hey, how did that brief go? Like what did you, just asking for the feedback in it to make people feel comfortable expressing that they don't understand. Uh -huh. I think also leading by example. So when we don't understand something as managers in the company, as leaders in the company, just simply asking that question and not being afraid to do it in these like in a mosh like i will ask a question in a mosh if i do not understand something uh -huh. and i think the more we model that other people will model that same behavior and i think training people as leaders like from the day they step foot at lola and saying you're a leader of our company like what we expect of you as a leader is if you do not understand something ask make creating that expectation of everyone across the company and the fact of asking assumes a level of trust in many organizations I've been at, the people, the people that ask the question sometimes are no longer with the company, not yeah. that long after they've asked the question. Oh, gotcha. So it seems, I know it's a little counterintuitive, like people say ask and then somebody asks and then, or it's the same person that asks the same 
type of question yeah. in an organization. Oh, that's Bruce, you know, he's always going to be asking that question. And you're like, well, somebody has to. Yeah. And that's when they start to go to anonymous asks or anonymous surveys or anonymous just to try to get some feedback. Yeah. But if you're not willing to hear the feedback, and, and I think that's one of the things we can talk about at Lola is yeah. that it is an open a transparent organization and people are willing to hear the feedback and being able to have that feedback without it going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, I think that's totally true. I think we have to be open and transparent. I think it starts at the very top. It mm -hmm. starts with our CEO, it starts with our CTO, it starts with you as our CMO. Like These mm -hmm. people have to model the behaviors that we want the rest of the company to model. They have mm -hmm. to lead by example because it's so incredibly powerful. If it doesn't start at the top, it's never gonna work in that's, a company. And I feel so like we do a really good job at the top, starting at the top and then throughout the organization of being transparent, of asking for feedback, of sitting down and hearing feedback when someone has to give it. But we just, we need to continue to do it and continue to evolve that and continue mm -hmm. to get more comfortable just being transparent, asking why, asking for feedback across the board. Okay, what was the last book that you read? Did you like it, why or why not? I have two books I'm currently reading, but I know the question was, what was the last one I read? I no, read- okay. Whatever you're reading now, it's just the idea of, of reading a book. I like to ask that question yeah. because, and everybody guess that I've had here has read a book yeah. recently or are in the middle of a book. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just a, a way to be able to help define what's interesting to you. Okay, so we have Lola Book Club. Mm -hmm. So I'm currently reading, which is where we read a book every month. A business book. A bus yeah, typically Ish. business. I wonder if we'll kind of stray from that at some point because mm. it would be cool because things outside of business affect business. Sure. But I mean, this is timely given that I'm talking about the military. I'm reading Extreme Ownership okay. by Jocko and Leif Williams. Um, Jocko, I forgot Jocko's last name, Jocko and Leif, but they're two former Navy SEALs. Mm -hmm. And they, every chapter, they present a military scenario, like a combat scenario that they were in. And then they synthesize the principle they learn from that scenario and then they apply it to business. Mm. So it kind of, it goes from like military to principle to business, mm -hmm. which is really cool. And I've just found it's, it's fun to be back in that world in terms of how they're speaking about mm. things like close with and destroy the enemy or like all these <laughs> kind of, you know, phrases that I would hear all the time in the military. It's, it's fun reading about those and then seeing what's kind of my transition, like going from the military to business. It's really cool to see them laying that out and being able to relate to both, actually, right. the military and the business side. So that's what I'm currently reading. That's okay. good. Yeah. That's fantastic. When you go home at the end of the day, how do you know that you've had a good day? It doesn't have to be work-related either. I mean, you can have good days. I, I follow your Instagram, and I always love seeing how happy you are. You're always so happy. I'm usually <laughs> posting a picture of my corgi chihuahua there, <laughs> sleeping, inevitably. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like, what I find a lot of satisfaction is, like, did I take care of my team? Mm -hmm. I, like, that, if I feel... If I feel I didn't do everything I could have to take care of our team and to like move our company forward, then that weighs on me a lot. But if I feel... Can you not sleep? Yeah, I cannot sleep. Okay. Like this morning I woke up at 1 a.m. and I was thinking about different things uh -oh. I should have done yesterday. I know I need to take care of myself and like sleep. So I like definitely talked myself back into going to sleep. But yeah, at the end of the day, like my, my measure is kind of did I take care of my team? Mm -hmm. And then what helps with my perspective a lot, and you know, this is informed by the military too, is just like, nobody died today. Like, that's a really good, <laughs> that's so serious. And I mean, that's like, it, maybe for some people it feels extreme, but I honestly, that really grounds me a lot as a person mm -hmm. because I realize in business, there's a lot of emotions and there's people's incomes on the line. And obviously mm -hmm. like we want to 
we want to build this company and we want to be successful at Lola, not only for ourselves, but truly for our customers and Uh offering them a better product. But it's also business. And like, at the end of the day, we're all human and like, nobody died and that's a really good thing and that like helps make me feel a lot better kind of about where we're going because I've got a good team and did I take care of that team great I did awesome and nobody died obviously so it's a good day usually every day is pretty good for me honestly that's good you just had a little bit of a wonky day yesterday huh? yeah like in terms of severity like yesterday was not a bad day it's just there was things I wish I had like remembered to do to take care of my kids. can't remember to do everything right? no no definitely I not. try I mean I, I use keep all the time and make notes to myself all the time just to Try to remember the various things that you have to do and you still don't remember everything. Yeah. What's the one piece of advice you'd give to your 18-year-old self? I think if I could go back in time and give it, it would just say constantly be learning. Like mm-hmm. constantly be hungry and learning and you're not perfect, so continually improve yourself through learning is what I would say. Oh, that's good. That's great. What was your worst job? What was the worst job you ever had and why? They, it, this is an Ashley question. Always involves food service, so oh, really? everybody said, talks about food service. Uh, okay, so I would say like worst slash hilarious. When I was a freshman at West Point, we had to deliver all the upperclassmen's laundry. <laughs> it's, yeah, you had to deliver it to their room. So it would all come in. It's just a way of them training you, but all the freshmen who are known as plebes from the word plebeian from Napoleonic times, like the lowest of the low, and that's what you're called. Well, they would put you all in one room. So it'd be every day there'd be laundry duties and they'd put you in one room and there'd be 20 or 30 of you in one room. And it's not a, not a very big this, room. Right. Yeah, like a 20 by 20, it's not a very big room. And you had to, essentially you had to align all the laundry so that it was in rank order of the upperclassmen. So like you had to deliver the highest ranking first and you could go out with no less than four people in every push outside the door. And outside the door were just 20 to 30 upperclassmen waiting to stop you and ask you different knowledge that you were supposed to know. Basically just to like stress you out as you're trying to go deliver this laundry. So it was the worst. Was this every day? Yeah, it was every day. When we, well, it was every day that we had laundry delivered, so that was probably two to three times a week. Wow. But the worst was that everyone would just get really sweaty and you'd get like really worked up and you'd be running all around. But it taught me a lot of things. But, so I would say like it was, it was kind of funny too because you saw all these people as freshmen that were super stressed out and by the time they were graduating, they were going into combat and like they were totally proficient. But you remember that one guy who hid under his desk hiding from going to laundry duties who is now an infantry officer in the army and I won't say his name, but it was just kind of, it was, it was the worst, but the best in some ways at, at some point because everyone kind of came together and had to work together as a team in order to do it. But, but beyond so. the team, because you also had to work as sub-teams. Yeah, it totally. Like, and oh, yeah. you had to break through the front lines of the people that were trying to stop you from doing what your duty was. Totally. So how'd you get around them? Well, one, you memorized your knowledge, and two, you just, you were able to do push-ups, so push-ups. You were able to do push-ups. Yeah. I think that's your be, thing, your that's, push-ups. Yeah, I think, like, honestly, push-ups do so much for people in life. Just do push-ups. Maybe that's what I should have said for my 18-year-old self, like, keep doing push-ups. Just do push-ups, yeah. okay. Push-ups that, every day. That's going to be the tagline. That's what we're yeah. going to put on your thing. Just push-ups, push-ups every day, yeah. Push-ups every day. Do you prefer being an individual contributor or to manage? This is a question that Marina said, you know, when we were asking, because she... She likes it from a software development standpoint. She likes being an individual contributor because of the creativity that's associated with it. So what do you think? Individual, manager? Well, I think we were talking about this earlier. Like, I would say I'd prefer to be a leader at the end of the day. Like, that's what matters most to me. And I feel like individual contributors or managers can absolutely do that. And actually, in fact, we need them to do that. Mm -hmm. I've found joy in both 
the individual contributor and the manager as long as I can be a leader. So I would say leader. I know that's not one of those choices. No, no, it isn't. It, 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 just because it isn't doesn't mean that it can't be. Sure, yeah, think so outside the box. Think outside. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. good, that was a good answer. Beth likes to ask this question, what's been the most surprising thing that you've learned about, from being on the Lola team? That companies can have their own fiscal years. Have you heard about this story before? <laughs> I thought that all companies had to follow the same fiscal year where it ended Calendar? in no where it ended in September and started in oh, October because of government because the government, government funding and Stacy had said to me early on in my Lola career she said Rachel <laughs> you can set your own calendar you can set your own yeah. fiscal year as a company I said yeah. no Stacy I'm pretty sure that's not true <laughs> even though you've been in business for so many years I'm gonna go check this and you know check but verify like or trust but verify right. so. I checked and just turns out that Stacy was correct. Uh, but that blew my mind. Yeah, that blew my really? mind. I don't know. Yeah. Because you had to use it or lose it by September 30th. Yeah, sure. Nothing rolls over for Nothing the rolls over. But yeah, it, it kind of blew my mind that there was all these options outside of yeah. what I knew to be the truth. Like Microsoft, I think they end in uh, February and other Cisco ends, I th you know, they all some sure. in November. They pick and their own. The vast majority are calendar. Sure. And, but I think some of these software companies have moved to a different fiscal calendar, so they're not relying on the December sales to make their years. That makes sense, yeah. So they, they move it a month. They move it a month back or forward or something in yeah. order to kind of adjust it. So people that haven't used budget or they're still getting sales, because January can be a very, very big month for right. many companies because budget has become available for, for other ones. And they may be out of budget in December. There's not a lot of companies in December that have leftover budget. No, right, sure. So I, I like to tell, my wife is at Harvard Business School right now, and there's a couple of army officers that typically go to it every year. And I like to tell the ones that are my friends, hey, just, just so you know, <laughs> they're coming straight from the military, like, just so you know before you start at HBS, like, everybody can have, companies can set their own fiscal years. That's too funny. And the reactions I get are, no way. Like everyone has the same reaction coming from the military, unless they were in finance in the military, but everyone is in disbelief that companies can set their Because it really is, well, you know, I've sold to the government in many different software companies, and uh, typically September is a very big month when you sell to the government. Yeah. And it's, uh, you're always looking for those deals because they got to use it or lose it. There's just nothing yeah. carries over. And how was that ingrained in you in the Army? I mean, how, if you needed anything, you had to wait until October 1 in order to order it? Or, yeah, sometimes okay, you if had... If you were funded. Yeah, it was usually like, hurry up and spend all your money right. by the end of September to get the supplies that you need for the next mm -hmm. year, or just make do with what you have until we have new funds available. So sometimes... That's what just, you lived on, September yeah. 30th. Yeah, so you really had to be disciplined and you really had to be thoughtful, especially in resourcing for training, for uh -huh. mostly for training because of all the supplies you needed for it. But yeah, I don't know. I think there's just these things that <laughs> when you go into the military at a young age and that's all you know, that you wake up at 27 or 28 and you think that everybody has the same fiscal year, but they don't. There you go. So that's the most surprising thing that you learned. You yeah. learned it from Stacy. So Lola values, Lola Pack, customer core, wicked loving, humble learner. Which is your favorite? Oh, I love them all. They're all really good. They are. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's, I don't think this will be surprising. Lola Pack is my favorite. Lola Pack. You need your pack to get things done. You need your pack, done. absolutely. Yeah. Your team. Yeah. So Chrissy wants to know what your favorite travel experience has been. So I love hotels. You love hotels. I love hotels. I, I really like, I, when I say that, I mean that. I really love hotels. <laughs> the reason I love hotels so much are the memories that I have with my family at hotels. Mm -hmm. 
Probably my favorite, the one that I like to share, is when I was in high school, my dad and my stepmom took my sister and I to Paris. Oh. And we stayed at this hotel called Hotel Le Bristol, which is a very, very nice hotel in Paris. And the reason we stayed at it is because my dad's parents had lived there at some point in time. In the hotel? In the hotel. Okay. My grandpa worked for the CIA and they kind of lived all around the world and they specifically lived in this hotel for a period of time. So it was really, it meant a lot to my dad to go back there and to stay there. And then for him to be able to share that with my sister and I, and we happened to go during Easter. So right around now we went at the same time, spring break, right? right? School spring break. And the hotel had hired a chocolatier for that week. So in the lobby, there was like a huge chocolate display. And I just remember we had come from California, we flew to Paris, so that we were all off on timing. We had a lot of jet lag and we woke up at three or four in the morning and we ordered room service because we were all hungry. And I remember the server came in a tuxedo and I was like, wow, like this is a really classy hotel. And then in the bread basket, you know, usually like there's an assortment of breads, but there was warm chocolate croissants. Oh my goodness. So I was instantly sold on the Hotel <laughs> Bristol. And uh, yeah, so that was, I mean, I think it was more about, we had some really special experiences mm-hmm. with my dad and my stepmom, my sister and I, um, that we talk about to this day. And there's all these little markers, like the, the chocolatier, the guy in the tuxedo, that kind of bring me back and like put me back in that memory. And so, that's one of my favorite travel memories. And just in general, since then, like hotels have been, have meant a lot to me just because I realized how powerful of experiences they can create for families um, or couples, you know, however it is, yeah. just people, people that are traveling together. So. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, love Great hotels. experience. Do you have a question for me? I think I would ask you, how do you think the women of Lola can work together to be even more successful than they already are? That's a good one. I, I think, I think we have a lot of younger women that are on the team and I think like anything, they lack uh, innate confidence in their capabilities. We have a lot of very talented people. And I was hoping that this particular series would give people a chance to be able to talk. Everybody's been able to talk very easily and very succinctly about what what makes them tick, and it's been great. And I would like to be able to have people help build their own brand and help them be able to stand strong and stand big. That's part of the reason trying to do the Toastmasters as well. Getting people to be able to speak in front of other people, men and women are the Toastmasters group, but it gives people an element of trust. So I I think that the the biggest thing that I would ask is that it's not a, a, a male versus female. I think that sometimes women need to have a little bit more confidence in their capabilities in order to be more successful. I think many men, there's an innate confidence that just comes from being a guy. But for some reason, women struggle with not feeling like, well, if I'm too confident, then I'm more like a guy than I am like a woman. But no, we are all bringing something very superior to the party. And I I will tell you, this is the most talented group of women that I've ever had the opportunity to be able to work with. And I would love to be able to have every single one of them be able to build that sense of power, that sense of commitment, that sense of ownership in themselves to be able to pay it forward, be able to keep moving forward. So that's that's what I would say. I think what, the one thing that really stood out was this idea of you don't have to act like somebody else. Right. I think authentic 
like people being authentic and being their true selves is so incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. And the more we can make people feel that they can do that and mm -hmm. that they can feel comfortable in that is that you can look for inspiration across different leaders, but the most powerful form of you as a leader will be your authentic self. So being an authentic leader in that is, and I think this absolutely does it because they're telling stories about themselves. And they're all great stories and they're all different. Yeah, totally. So That's amazing. awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. That's Thanks. awesome. Thank yeah. you, Rachel, for coming here today and, and being on Table Fries. Yeah. I appreciate it. Garlic parm. Don't forget. <laughs> awesome. You've been listening to Table Fries with host Gene Hopkins from Lola.com on the Funnel Radio Network. Be sure to subscribe on TableFries.com. Table Fries is brought to you by Lola.com. Super simple corporate travel software from the travel innovators who brought you Kayak. Whether you want better visibility into travel spend, help managing your corporate travel program, or 24-7 human-powered support while you're on the road. Lola.com is the perfect solution. Lola.com, a better way to travel for business.